work on your craft, be, be great, um, be a great composer, to be the best composer you can be, but equally important are, gonna, are your people skills and your ability to, you know, uh, make people, you know, make people feel like you're understanding what they're telling you. You know, that's incredible. That kind of empathy, art, it's a creative empathy. That's really important for film composers, especially when they're starting a relationship with a filmmaker. Today I'm talking to the film composer, Jeff Danner. So lovely to meet you here on Zoom. Yes, thanks for uh, looking me up. Yeah, no, I, um, I read about you and it's a very interesting story. Um, and you are, um, do, do I say film composer or cinematic composer? Uh, film composer. And, um, but you've got a, a wonderful long list of um, films that you've written music for. Right. Uh, yeah, almost every year you, you're a busy man. It's true. Yeah, so far it's been pretty busy and I hope it stays that way. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm happy to, uh, happy to be steadily working for a while now here in Los Angeles. But uh, Jeff, how do you get your inspiration when you write? Well, film composers, we get our inspiration from the the film itself. That's really that's the that's the box we're operating inside of, and so it's uh, you know the, the 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 descriptions from the director of the needs of the music, and then uh, my own instincts as to what the scene needs, and uh, then you know you've got the film itself, and hopefully uh, it's a beautiful canvas to paint on. Mm -hmm. and uh the scenes and the story arc and the character arc and all of this really is the kind of roadmap and then the music has to just follow along so film composers are really driven by the story that they're they're seeing have you always had a love for film yeah i mean i i i think that um you know my first love was music when i was mm -hmm. younger um, and it wasn't until my 20s that I sort of saw the intersection between film and music. Uh, I just went to the movies with everybody else and just kind of liked what I was hearing, but didn't really think about it. But it was in my 20s that I started to see the, the connection between the profound impact that music has on film. And uh, I never really looked back from that. That was when I was about 23. And I went, oh, this is, this is really deep. Yeah, but did you compose before? I was a songwriter in my teens, and I was, mm -hmm. you know, taking piano lessons at home and guitar lessons, and um, but they weren't—I wouldn't call them compositions. They were more in the song format until I was about twenty-three, and then I, what happened was I was playing my guitar in bands around Toronto and trying to be a songwriter and a session player, and I injured myself. I hurt my hands. Uh, I had like tendonitis and carpal tunnel. I had some poor techniques and I just couldn't play for a while. And so then I was sitting around going, well, now what am I gonna do? And that was not a good year. And I sort of fell into film composition from there and then switched from writing songs to writing compositions. And if you listen, you can sort of hear the song influence in the way I structure my melodies and those kind of things. Really? I try and do things that are, I try and do things that are melodic and memorable uh, and emotional the way a beautiful song would be i try and work all that into the score as well as opposed to just being the sort of backgroundy 
wallpaperish thing that just sort of sits in the back. I really try and say something with the music as well um, so that it can stand alone and, and be musical music. And I think I learned that chasing melodies when I was like a 12 year old. Wow. And uh, did you have education, you know, like, did you have to go to study composition or um, film composing? I had, st well, the, uh, back then there were no film composing courses. Now they're everywhere. But back then there weren't those. No, I studied music and I didn't even finish my degree because really? I, well, well, I got, I got opportunities to work. And so okay. I thought, oh, I better just jump in here and, and work on this TV series, mm -hmm. you know, when I was very young. And I just thought, well, this is a chance I might not get again. And I'll just, you know, and then I just figured out the rest of it as I went. <laughs> okay. But you, you're talking about back in the day, but uh, did yeah. you start, did you start um, with, the, they were then only also not uh, software and computers to do that? Yeah, that's interesting. When I started, the thing that we used, because I was doing things with my brother as well at the time, he was just getting started uh, as well. He was He's older than me, so he had done a little of it. Uh, yeah, we used this sort of this, this keyboard called a Roland W30. Um, and it was just like a, it had a very primitive little sequencer in it. And you could sort of build tracks inside of it. I mean, it's incredibly primitive. I, I laugh when I think about it now. And I did that for like three or four years, I think, using this little keyboard as the conduit for my ideas. And then uh, switched after that over to an early, a very early, I think it was a, an Apple. It must have been an Apple computer. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then there was software that could record our ideas much easier. And now we have these things like Logic Audio and Pro Tools. And, but yeah, back then I had this W30, which nobody's even heard of. And I'm sure it's vanished, gone, <laughs> the, way, gone the way of the woolly mammoth, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But that's also so interesting for me. I spoke to a composer who said he still wrote like on a, on a piece of paper, you know. And, and then the first time he really heard the music was when the orchestra was playing it. Um, or they did that, you know, really the sound of, of everything he's written. So was that the same for you as well? Well, it started, I mean, the way it is now, let me start with the way it is now. The way it is now, filmmakers, they really want to hear a proper mock-up because that's what everybody's doing. That's what they're used mm -hmm. to. So there, there's these very, you know, um, high fidelity, high quality samples, we call them that are representative, representations of instruments, you know, strings, string sections, solo strings, winds in groups, winds solo, winds playing trills, winds, I mean, doing all this stuff. And now we're expected to have something for the director that really does sound a lot like what he's going to hear later, he or she. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really become like an art now. People really spend a long time getting these mock-ups as perfect as possible because that's now the standard we're held to. So the old days, which was before me, where you, the composer would sit at the piano and play the piano and say, well, now the strings will start here and he'll sing the string melody to the director or something. Mm -hmm. that's, that's gone now. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't want to hear that or they don't want anything to do with that, filmmakers. They, you know, and in the, in the case of myself, I really like to mix in some unusual non-orchestral instruments with my compositions. Oh, okay. Um, I have a mm -hmm. very extensive collection of 
unusual guitars and stringed instruments, but I also like to do things like uh, record a neigh or illin pipes or, you know, a ditza or anything that's really a bit different. Um, and so if you're going to do that, that's not something you can mock up anyways. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, those we end, uh, we usually end up recording first and working with those, and then we incorporate those into our mock-ups. But back when I had my W30, no, it was just really bad synth sounds, and they just had to sort of trust us. Um, <laughs> but now things are quite um, far along, and people are, are really wanting to hear. And really the pressure great. is on. The pressure is on to deliver... Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to deliver a mock-up that really sounds like like what it's going to later. Mm -hmm. um, it can be kind of, it almost can be a little bit of overkill because the mock-up isn't going to be there later. It's strictly yeah. like a sketch. You're going to throw it out completely and replace it with all real instruments. Um, so I don't tend to go to the nth degree um, mm -hmm. with the mock-up because it's just not something that's, you know, it's like a story. I think I often think of it as storyboards for animators. They do the whole film and storyboard, these little black and white sketches with stick figures and arrows. And, and then they throw that out and they, that gets replaced with the real drawn or CG animation, depending on what the project is. It's the same thing with mock-ups for composers. I mean, people spend a very long time like working them to be perfect and getting just that exact kind of pizzicato but really you're going to tell the orchestra to do it later anyways and it's all going to be gone mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i i do quite a bit of work on it but i don't go crazy because it's a very temporary thing and then it's gone forever but now that you say you you uh, love putting in uh different instruments is right do you really do, is this something that you really go out and look for or is it just a coincidence you know, that you hear a sound and you think, hey, this could be great for, for something? I mean, early in my career, I worked on a few different projects that had what we used to call ethnic instruments. So I did okay. a show that had a lot of Chinese musicians on it. I had these four players who would come over to my studio in L.A. and they would play their instruments into my compositions on this, this, uh, this early TV show I worked on. And... Then I did a couple of Celtic albums with my brother and we used all these Celtic instruments and these instruments that were outside of the orchestral realm. And I just found that I had a real connection to them. They, I, they feel really earthy and different. And after I spent my twenties doing music like that, whenever I would hear just straight up orchestra music without those magical extra colors, I would think kind of felt like something might be missing a little bit that I could add if I got a Chinese violin in there or something like that or yeah. or something or a gamelan or a stone marimba or something that would be outside of the normal realm of the orchestral toolbox so that's i just after that i just started thinking well that's kind of a thing i can do that will make it more original to my work and satisfy my own aesthetic which was always looking for something a little bit different and unique you know i mean i think our job as film composers is to add something unique to the film and um, to me, it's kind of an overlooked thing. I mean, people try and, you know, there's a lot of film music that, um, you know, does the, does the job the music has to do is the utilitarian lifting, you know, it's the tone of the scene, moving things along in an action movie, for example, making you cry in a sad scene or something. But I think beyond that, it can also be 
as unique to the film as the costume design and the production design and the casting and the writing. So I try for every film to try and find something that will make it a little bit different and just, just for this film, that would only work just for this film. Amazing, because if you think of, about it really, that the instruments, it's not, well, the instrument produces specific sound, but of course it could um, add to the story also of the film, because if I just think, I spoke to a violist uh, just previously, and and he said that the the sound is very melancholic, you know, of the yeah. of the viol uh, the viola yeah. and yeah, and and you think all these traditional instruments that you find they all have sort of a history, but a meaning behind that behind that history. Well, there is great meaning. It's a lot of it's really in the way it's played. Uh, the, the player mm -hmm. brings that to it. You know, I can have an idea for. A, an arhu, which is we were talking about that a, a Chinese violin, but it's the it's the soulful rendering of that that really I brings know. that in. Mm -hmm. And then you have to find the places in the film where that makes sense in the story, and in the arc of the character and that sort of thing. So it's a combination of where it's going to work and then getting it to do the thing it's doing, you know, to the deepest the deepest level. But obviously, the the players bring an enormous amount to our work because they're the ones really bringing it to life that's why i don't worry too much about those mock-ups they're not players they don't have any personality um it's the musicians that come in and they amaze me the way they can play things perfectly the first time um really? these mm. symphony orchestras i have a session tomorrow from air studios in london with 25 absolutely jaw-dropping musicians and they're going to look at the music and by the it's going to be re great the first time and perfect the second and it's amazing to me that they can do that. Do they also have to see the film or do, do you have to discuss this with them, what, what the whole idea is behind the music? You mean with the filmmaker? Uh, with yes. the, with the, no, with the orchestra. Oh. They um, have to. Yeah, I mean, you, you try and, you know, I work with my orchestrator, Nicholas Dodd. You know, he's the one who can, he, he's over there conducting. I'm here in Los Angeles, he's in London conducting the compositions. And yeah, I, t I have a discussion with him about each cue and what it's going to do and what we need. And then we talk sectionally about how we achieve that within the orchestra itself. And then he will execute it um, from the podium with my, I'm listening in and we're talking back and forth. It's like a three-way conversation, he, myself, and the orchestra. Hopefully the music is pretty clear with what it's supposed to be, um, which is why it works in the scene. but we can uh, we can definitely change the attitude and the direction of it right there um, in the session. And that's another way that musicians are just incredible. Their skills of adaptation are just their mind. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. Well, you're, you're not the first composer who says that because I've spoken to somebody also who said that it's sometimes this idea that he had for the music, but because the 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 musicians then take it and almost um, it's almost for him better than than he expected it to be when they right. put their yeah I mean film is a very collaborative medium from mm -hmm. the from the first thing the screenwriter delivers to all the stages of casting and acting and editing and then all the the different arts and crafts are on display inside of any given shot the art department the, the wardrobe department I mean it's a massively collaborative medium 
And mm -hmm. inside the music department, there's great collaboration too. There's myself, and then there's the filmmaker, and then there's um, usually another team of people around the film. It's usually the filmmakers. There's usually more than one. So there might be a producer and a director, or an editor and a director and a producer. And then that collaboration continues to my musicians. And so as I work with them one at a time or in a group, they add a tremendous amount to it. So it is a film is a massively collaborative medium. And it, I think it makes it better all around. We're always better with others around us, I think. Yeah, that creative um, influences together. Yeah. yeah. But is it uh, sometimes the case that you've written something and that uh, say the the director is not happy with it or that he doesn't feel that you have to change things or is the way you present it it's that it's how it stays well you mean at the session i mean yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know in... the final the final say the final composition that you've done there's a lot of note-taking and revising throughout the process okay. right from mm -hmm. the get-go. So when I submit my first mock-ups, my first mm -hmm. ideas, that's the first place that I'll interact with the filmmakers and they'll say, oh, that's really neat, but that needs to be stronger. Or oh, what is I that see. weird okay. instrument? Or, you know, um, yeah. can we change it here? Or can you, that's great. Can you do that more often? And then, so we're, we work all the way through the writing process with these mock-ups as, as our, you know, our sounding board that we're all standing around, you know, it's like the painter and his easel, we're all standing in front of the canvas talking about it. And then once the mock-up is just the way they want it with things going, starting and ending when they want, and, you know, the, the themes the way they want them, then the next stage is we're with the orchestra and they're playing it. And then there can be some further notes from the filmmakers. Okay. You know, they can mm -hmm. say, oh, you know what, that's a little more than I thought it was going to be now that I hear 80 people playing it. Um, maybe we should bring this back a little bit or, you know, maybe the trumpets are too much here. Can we try one where they're back or where they're down or, you know, different filmmakers have more of a musical glossary than others. And really it, that, that's not the important thing. The important thing is the story, their, their sense of their story and how the music intersects with it. And so these things can also happen. You're right at the session itself. Um, and then, you know, we make adjustments on the floor. Hopefully they're quick ones because they've had the mock-ups for sometimes months. So there's not really oh, okay. big, there's not big surprises. Usually the filmmakers are just so excited to hear it properly realized by these brilliant musicians that there's not that much changing going on, but sometimes, you know, something lands a bit differently and you have to make an adjustment. Oh, okay. Are there um, specific films that you prefer to write for or can you just, um, does the does the inspiration just come when you when you hear the story? I mean, I I think anything where I can love the thing I'm attempting to build, it works for me. I mean, I had a very I just had a very uh, I had three projects in a row, leading to what I'm on now that were all very different. My brother and I worked on this animated film called My Father's Dragon. Oh yeah, Nora, yeah. For Nora Toomey, who's an amazingly gifted Irish filmmaker and her company cartoon saloon over there with tom moore they make amazing movies that was a very colorful whimsical fantastical adventure film and then i went from that to doing this thing called cabinet of curiosities for guillermo del toro and that was 
scary, nasty horror music. And that was being trapped underground with a giant rat. And it was like, it was a whole other world from what I just finished, but Mm -hmm. that made it fun to switch gears so abruptly. And then I went into season two of Julia, which is the HBO Max show that, that I do the music for. And that's a period piece. The, this season two is set in 1961, I think, 61, 62. And so there's those colors and that thing. And that's quite a light and fun show with a few deep moments, but very tuneful, very theme driven. Um, so just right there, those th- I mean, I loved working on all three of those things, but they all asked me to do something really different. And I think the thing that I liked about all of them was I just got to build in the musicality I wanted to and the, and and try to make it as original as possible. So, no, I think the only things I haven't really liked as much were things where the musicality was asked to be diminished for whatever reasons in the name of the film. Because mm-hmm. there is some scores where they're more sound designy and tonal, you know, sort of just murky. And that... That's not my favorite thing. And I don't usually get asked to do that. I, don't, I haven't done that much of it. And mostly I do the most musical thing I can find. Well, I'm I'm just thinking already I would, I, I cannot imagine where do you start when you just see the film and the story. And now you're talking about working on three projects together. Right. This is amazing. Right. <laughs> well, there's one, fortunately there wasn't too much overlap. There was one after the other, but sometimes we do get overlap. Uh, you just learn after a while, to, you just, you know, you shift gears yeah. and off you go. And, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure to, to, you have to make those people happy or they're not going to come yeah. to you. So as artists, we're, you know, we're client beholden, like an architect or anybody who, who is creating something for someone else. Do you, um, can you see that you have this specific style and that, that it overlaps or that, that you can identify in all these films that you can identify that it's you? Well, that's hard for me to necessarily tell. I mean, I hear me in it because I did it. What's that saying? Sometimes it's hard to know what a building looks like when you're inside of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm told that there's a sound that is, you know, mine and people can recognize it. from film to film. I certainly sense my set of aesthetics traveling from film to film, which is, as I'd said, to try and be different um, with the kind of colors I use and to try and be memorable with the tunes and that kind of thing. Those are things I try and do each time. I hope I I manage to do that, but uh, you'd probably be better at telling me than me as to whether you heard a through line through things, because from inside of the process, it does, I feel, obviously the through line to everything because it it came from me in some way. And this animation film that you did, um, how does that process work? Do do they uh, finish the whole film or are you also then part of the the process before the film is finished? Animation is a little bit different than live action in that that very way, um, that you can be in there early. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes when it's still in the animatic form, Um, An animatic is basically a series of storyboards strung together with temporary dialogue. Let's the filmmakers see what kind of a film they're making before they commit to animating and while they're still working on things like character design. So sometimes um, there'll be something where you need to get in there and if the characters are going to 
for example, in My Father's Dragon, there the Boris and Elmer whistle this tune to each other. They have a little friendship whistle and they whistle it back and forth to each other. And sometimes they trade phrases off. So my brother and I had to come up with that whistle tune a year before we started working on it because they were going to animate the characters whistling this tune. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So we had to do that first. Um, or if there's a scene where that we, there's another film we did for Nora called the breadwinner where there was a little bit of drumming going on, the characters playing some drums and just a couple of shots of that. And she wanted the drums done first so that they could animate to the drums. So um, sometimes you're in there quite early with animation, mm. you know, which tends to have music really tightly locked into picture, which is a lot of fun, but a lot of work. And then, mm. um, then you'll wait, you'll do that preliminary work and then there might be a gap in the case of my father's dragon, it was a year. Then they came and they had the film, you know, mostly edited, but still every pass of the edit we get in an animation film, they fill the animation in a bit more, okay. especially in a CG film. My father's dragon was, was hand-drawn. It's a beautiful thing. But working on a Pixar movie, for example, they're going to be sending you versions as you go every usually two weeks or so. And each time the film shows up, there'll be a little more stuff in there to see. And you'll, you know, because sometimes like you're working to pretty rough con visual concepts because they're still working on it, but time is running out and you have to start writing. And that's the thing for composers in the modern age, this visual effects age. A lot of the times, you know, an actor is standing against a blue screen fighting a dinosaur that doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. And you, and you just have to, kind of start off, you know, at least get the, get it started um, mm -hmm. without the dinosaur and without the landscape. So um, visual effects and animation definitely sometimes mean working with things that are quite half formed visually, but eventually we get it, we all come together and we get it done. It sounds so amazing, but I'm just thinking now that in, in Los Angeles, there must be a, a great a competition between um, writers, co composers, that you right. have to, how difficult is it to get these jobs? I mean, that's, the, I think it's the hardest part of the job. Um, you know, in some ways, given how hard work is to acquire and the co competitiveness, especially for the good projects and the politics that are involved. Um, and uh, yeah, sometimes the simplest thing is when I close my door and just get to write the music. Sometimes that's the easiest part of the process with all the other things that you jump, the hoops you have to jump through just to get a job, just to be considered for a job. Um, and then just to deal with uh, some of the, the politics that are around any kind of artistic endeavor on the job. Yeah. Um, sometimes those easiest days are just the ones where I can sit here and just do the music. And that's almost easier you know, I tell, when I go speak to students, I say, you know, work on your craft, be, be great, um, be a great composer, to be the best composer you can be, but equally important are going to, are your people skills and your ability to, you know, uh, make people, you know, make people feel like you're understanding what they're telling you. You know, that's incredible. That kind of empathy, art, it's a creative empathy. That's really important for film composers especially when they're starting a relationship with a filmmaker. 
to sort of say, okay, I understand your film. I understand what you want me to do. Now I'm going to go do it. And then when you get revisions, you say, I see what you want to do. And those making people feel like they're in good hands is really, you know, equally important to, to the craft of the music itself. Um, because for a filmmaker, when they come to the music part of their process, um, it might be the thing they're least familiar with. Maybe they, they, you know, maybe they grew up drawing dragons on their school books or something, and they're very animated. They're very visual or, you know, um, maybe they're writers, you know, um, screenwriters. And so they can get to the stage where the music might be the least familiar thing to them. And that makes them understandably a little bit nervous because they're like, okay, well now here comes this force that is going to color the thoughts of every one of my characters at every moment when they're on the screen. And, you know, I can't really control this. I wrote the script, but I can't, you know, I can't write this, these notes. So the feeling that there was someone who really is on their wavelength and really understands them is important. And that skill really trumps the flat out music thing uh, really in our job as film composers, which is a very unusual kind of musical task, really, if you think about it. Well, you've described it. I, I haven't thought of that, but it's really true that, you know, that it's then a bit out of their control, the, the part where the music is. And, and yeah, right. I can imagine. But do you teach as well? I don't teach, but sometimes I get called in. I have friends who teach or I have friends who are involved with film scoring courses um, or there's seminars or, or oh, okay. workshops, mm -hmm. those kind of things. And so I'll just come in and just be a guest speaker or I'll do a Q&A or something like that. But no, there's not really time to, mm -hmm. to be. I mean, teachers, God bless them. That's a big job. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a whole life. Um, and uh, no, that my job is here to, to write the, the film scores. And but uh, important that they, you know, like younger students see or get to talk to you who are who is in the field, so that they yeah. know what what is expected. Because I, I can just imagine how difficult it also is for a young student in LA or over the world to get into film, film composing. I, I mean, it's it is very competitive now. When I started in the, I guess late eighties, I was very young. Um, there weren't as many people. They just weren't. There weren't as many people doing the job. But since you know, as as our media and our and the internet and everything else has kind of made us so easy to exchange experiences and exchange crafts and open the world up to to the view of people to see how things work. Um, yeah. uh, that's really you know, and also the schools realize there were a lot of kids who wanted. To be film composers so a lot of schools now offer a film composition course but i'm pretty sure it was only usc in the 80s i think okay. um mm. but that were like specifically film composition not just a music mm. or a composition program but now those those programs are everywhere so yeah there's a lot mm. of kids every year being pumped out into the the the, 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 the culture of film <laughs> um, you know the film community as it were who want yeah. to be film composers so yeah it's very it's mm -hmm. it's and i think that would be the same for all the disciplines yeah you know not just the composers but uh, jeff now do you sometimes still grab the, the guitar and play um you know i'll tell you this my favorite part of any process is the days i do get to grab one of my guitars yeah. but 
Um, sometimes, you know, I don't, you know, weeks or even months will go by where I don't really get to play guitar because okay. it's just, maybe it's working on a score that is, um, you know, largely orchestral driven and the, the medium for inputting ideas into these composing programs is a keyboard. So I come to sometimes kind of like lament, like oh, I used to be a really good guitar player when I was 21 and, and now I'm not a great guitar player anymore because I really don't get to play that much. And I never really was a good keyboard player either. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. so uh, playing wise, it all this my skill is right here, okay. you know, and so that's yeah. that's where it has to be. But I do love those days. I had one a couple of days ago. I picked up my Banduria, which is a a span, a little Spanish guitar that's about that big, has ten strings on it, and uh, I got to um, I got to play that. Oh, okay. You know? Were yeah, you a so bit of a rebel as a child? Um. I don't know about that, really. I mean, I wanted okay. to do something that was not normal, you know, like yeah, I wanted yeah, to do yeah. music for the time. Yeah. But I was pretty set on being good at it. Okay. And um, mm -hmm. a lot of what my friends did in their rebellious moments uh, just seemed to me like a distraction from being good at music. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. so I wasn't really, uh, you know, in trouble with, the law, or I didn't really get into substances very much. I know a lot of musicians do, but I just didn't because I just, you know, when I saw people do that, they played poorly. So it's like, well, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I just want to stay pretty straight here. So mm -hmm. not, not really, uh, not really a re rebel in that way, but just deeply committed to doing this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and doing it, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm very fascinated that you you use different instruments as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's. Um, I think there are many um, traditional instruments with beautiful sound that's yeah. really forgotten that it, we don't hear anymore. And uh, I've I've actually spoken to a, a musician from Ukraine, and I I don't know what I forgot what they call this instrument, but I don't know if you know about it. Um, but yeah, he also talked about this instrument and the history about the instrument, and I was just thinking it's such a pity that it's not heard more, you know, or or in in um, orchestras anymore. So yeah. Do you remember what it, you don't remember what it was called? I'll have to write to you, but uh, right. I, I can't remember what it was called. But it's oh. it's got a lot of strings. I remember that and uh, mm -hmm. a wonderful sound. But I I will definitely write to you. And he's he he does some concerts here in Vienna as well with with this instrument. And he oh, talked great. about the whole history about the instrument, and uh, it sounds all sounds so fascinating, and the sound of the instrument as well. So. Um, yeah, he on, he's on your channel somewhere, right? He is, I can yeah. look him up. Yeah, send me his email. I'll, I'll go look for him. And yeah. he's probably done film work at this point. But if he isn't, uh, maybe no, I don't find think him. he has. No, I don't think he has. But but a uh, very nice guy and 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 very talented musician and very um, passionate about his instrument. Oh well, yeah. please send me that. Yeah, I'll happily I'll happily Absolutely. look at. Yeah, no, I'll take you to that. New, new ideas are always welcome after this many film scores. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but Jeff, tell me now, what is the wish for you now for the future? Because you've got so, I wonder, you, you've you got so many things that you've already done, but is there something that you still 
um, that's still on the list for you? I mean, I'm really passionate about my job still. Mm -hmm. um, so I really, I just more of what I've been doing, you know, um, the higher the visibility, usually the more resources I have to unlock my imagination. So um, if you can be part of bigger franchises, you can often get more toys to play with. Yeah. So that kind of thing. But no, I'm, I'm, I've done a lot of work I'm, I'm happy with and, and, and just hope to keep improving myself and improving my work and doing things that go out and, and reach people. You know, I love working on this Julia show. It's not a big um, title. It's not super well-known, but it's an actual, it's a, it's an amazingly beautiful story mm -hmm. of, of this woman's drive to, to, to share cooking with the world and the relationship with her husband, which is a beautiful thing to see. So it's like a, this small show that, that I get to do a really beautiful thing with. And I'm, I'm very happy doing that. Where is this, where can this show be seen? I haven't heard of it. It's called Julia. It's on HBO Max. Yeah. And we did eight episodes last spring. And mm. we're in the middle of our second eight right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, Sarah yeah. Lancashire, the English actress, mm. plays Julia. It's, it's remarkable. I'm going you to know. look it up. Yeah. yeah, look it up. Yeah. For sure. I love beautiful mm. stories. <laughs> this is a good story. And 90% and, and of what you're going to see is true, as unlikely as some of it seems. She really? had a remarkable, yeah, yeah. They really, because her life was so interesting, they were able to keep many, many things in there. And I would say to my showrunners, I go, well, that can't be true. And they went, oh, no, actually, that happened. Amazing. So, yeah. Oh, okay. No, yeah, it's really I'm definitely, yeah. I'm and it's like a hot cup of cocoa, that show. It just, everyone feels good at the end of it. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, the weather I mean, is so bad in Vienna at the moment. I need I need an excuse to go and sit on the sofa. <laughs> well, uh, let me know what you think. I, I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Thank uh, you so much, Jeff, for your time. Yeah. Thank you I for looking wonderful, up. Wonderful and talking gonna, to you. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to look forward to looking around your channel and seeing some more things. There's some amazing things there. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for doing okay. what you do. Thank appreciate you so it. much. Thank you. I really I appreciate that. Okay. okay, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.